S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. That podcast with Sammy Ryan coming at you guys this week. Your place for everything business, art, and all kinds of cool things in pop culture. So much to talk about this week. I'm excited. We got the new Black Panther trailer. We got some amazing changes happening in the video game Fortnite. A bunch of other TV news. Some cool things going on at McDonald's. McDonald's got some cool business things going on. There hasn't been a lot on the art and business side of the podcast I want to talk about recently. But I'm super excited about some of the things going on in the business world this week. I want to highlight them. And kind of give you guys a little rundown of everything I think that's going on. So thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast and supporting. Remember to go to samurai.com, S-A-M-I-R-Y-E.com, and join our Discord. We're having a lot of fun in our Discord, a lot of great conversations. Um, in there we have exclusive topics, giveaways, all kinds of cool things we like to do. That's what we got going on. Thank you guys so much for sharing and joining and supporting the podcast for all this time. Now, number one, let me hop into this McDonald's thing because I'm excited about it, right? McDonald's is now selling adult Happy Meals. And I feel like this is an idea that's been on the internet for a long time. Not like necessarily like a, a trend or one specific thing. But the idea is you go to McDonald's, basically you get a regular meal. It comes in a larger size box than like a regular Happy Meal box. And you get a Happy Meal toy based off what they think is like our age demographics, toys from our childhood, or toys that are like somehow represent those toys from our childhood. So, like, you don't see Ronald McDonald anymore. You don't see Grimace, the hamburger. You don't see them anymore. There was also some older toys that came out. Like, um, I seen one that was like a doll, like a stuffed animal, I guess you could have got at one point. Um, and so they're bringing some of those back. I do not know the full scope of it. I know that right now, my, my wife texted me today, and she went to McDonald's, and sure enough, locally in New Jersey, she was able to buy an adult Happy Meal, and she was super excited about it. Again, it's just a meal. It comes with a toy probably for an extra few bucks. And she got a grimace that was based on, like, an alien-looking grimace. So she thought that was really cool. I think that's a fun idea. I think it's an easy way to squeeze a few extra bucks out of people. If you're already getting the meals you know and love, why not throw a toy into it? Obviously, we've got lots of serious professional adults out there that have no need for it. But big kids like me, I feel like a lot of our, you know, elder millennial generation, we still like video games. We still like movies. We still like that stuff. Um, we are going to get into that more. And that's a really odd thing that I didn't think about really about our culture until recently because I remember when I was a kid, I envied that I heard that in Japan, a lot of adults over there would pay to go to movies to watch anime movies. They would pay to buy action figures and put them on their desk. It was a much more common thing in Japan for adults to do that. And when I was younger, I feel like adults were not about that. Adults weren't going into the toy section buying toys. Um, it was very, very rare that would happen. And slowly but surely, we grew up, and I guess since we admired that, now we are a culture where you could go see something like Into the Spider-Verse and that can make a billion dollars in America, right? It is Spider-Man, but it's also an animated movie. I think it's more common now to see animated movies be successful. We know Toy Story and stuff like that. They can make a billion. My parents did go see that kind of stuff. They took us to go see it. But now we are the parents. We are the adults. So now it's not an odd thing to go see something that's animated or not animated. Um, it's definitely not an odd thing for someone to take an action figure and put him on their desk and kind of have that nostalgia, that nerd culture, that geek culture, right? Um, so yeah, I could I could see this going really well since the adults that are out spending now, that they have kids, they're already going to the store getting their kids a Happy Meal. I think you're gonna this is going to be something really good for McDonald's. And I hope they expand on it. I hope it's not something that's only for a while. I did read this current version of it i think it's only for about four weeks in october however 
I know Taco Bell recently did that with the Mexican pizza. They took it away. They brought it back. It did so well. They actually ran out of supplies, you know, across their supply chain. It took a few months. They rebuilt up supplies. They made some changes. And it seems like the Mexican pizza is back. And I, during my lifetime as a kid, thought the Mexican pizza was not a popular item. I don't make fun of people. I would joke with people that, you know, they got the Mexican pizza. My grandmom used to get the Mexican pizza. It was the only thing she liked from Taco Bell. So I used to always joke people. It's like, oh, only old people eat it, right? Because of my perspective, right? Um, but now I see people ordering Mexican pizzas all the time. I think the fact they took it away, the law of absence, right? It made people feel like it was a big deal. A Wawa does it with the gobbler. The gobbler matters every time. It's a turkey sandwich. If you guys don't have a Wawa near you, it's a turkey sandwich that comes out around you know the holiday season. I recall there was a year, and I could be wrong, but my memory lets me think there was a year or two where the gobbler was all year round. And at some point, either it wasn't sustainable or they thought it'd be better to just come back around the holiday season. They made that change. I remember people were initially angry. But now I feel like everyone looks forward to the gobbler coming. It's now become a sign that the holidays are coming. The fall is coming, right? Um, so I know everyone in Jersey, we have Wawa's here. We love Wawa's in Jersey. And when that turkey gobbler comes, everyone talks about it. It always trends. So it, it's good that it only comes out a certain amount of time. So maybe that's the same thing for the McDonald's hat meal. I like to see it all year round, but maybe the novelty will grow thin. And they'll have to experiment and see how it goes. So I'm sure they're going to do this first batch and see what happens. But what I would all be on board for is I'm sure they know which toys historically were the best toys they had or had the best sales. If they brought back some of those toys, maybe with new packaging, I even wouldn't be against the idea of them doing a mystery box. I hate mystery boxes across the board. But I thought if there's ever a, a, a loot box that, that, would, that would matter, a McDonald's-style loot box where if they have old inventory or they even just doing remakes of these old toys and they ship them out, packages are blank, no one can know what's inside the bag, you buy yourself an adult Happy Meal, it comes with a toy, you get that toy, and then you can do adult things. You might want to resell that toy online. You might want to collect and trade with other adults. Maybe you got a toy you didn't want. Maybe you got a toy someone else want. If they are selected from their best-selling toys, I feel like most likely you're going to find an adult that wants one of those things. That would be cool. You already kind of get a mystery bag when you go and get a kid's Happy Meal. However, they're see-through. You can see who they are. And I have seen situations where people go into McDonald's and they'll ask the people who are working, which toys you have, give me these specific toys. And that makes sense, and that's fair, and I don't, I don't think that you should change that about the Happy Meal. But with this particular situation, since we're going into the past, and we're trying to, you know, find some of these toys, a lot of these toys from the past, you can still go online and get them on eBay, the actual toy. So I don't feel like it's they're impossible to get without this new McDonald's system. However, I think it would be a fun thing to do as an adult if you have a few extra bucks Get yourself a mystery box, open it up, see what you got in that bag. Maybe there's something in there that you could, you know, resale to somebody or go online and trade with people. That could be a brand new fun activity that I, that's not going on at any fast food place, right? I think it'd be a fun trading thing for adults to get into. Um, and again, those collect the collectible aspect of it, I think, would be fun. McDonald's toys are so broad. I've seen, like, they do loot crates about, like, let's say you used to Walking Dead. Well, problem with that is I might like two or three characters off of The Walking Dead. If you got 50 different things I could get, I don't want the 47 things I don't want. I might only want those two or three things. But McDonald's has such a broad scope of toys that they've done over decades. They could pick and choose the things that worked best. 
They have, you know, if you get it and you don't want it, if it's something that was popular in the past, they could then go try to sell that again to someone else. There might be licensing issues there. Perhaps they can't remake some of those toys. I don't know. But I'm excited about the possibility of what that restaurant chain is doing. And that's the thing that only McDonald's can do, right? No other restaurant chain can has that claim. There is nothing else out there that has a wide variety of pop culture items that they have a history with, right? You can't do that at Burger King. You can't do that, obviously, any other restaurant. I mean, even like toy stores, which are, they don't exist as much anymore, it doesn't have the same, the same feel. You're going to McDonald's anyway to get a, a meal. You're going to get some food. Here's this extra thing that might add something else onto the meal that you can then do online with people. I think there's a lot of possibilities for a great, great ideas what they could do with that. Um, I can even see moving forward if they're trying to do, you know, I know um, with their Monopoly game is really popular. They do this thing where you're trying to win like a million bucks. And I'm not interested in the Monopoly game anymore. I definitely had a year or two where I was interested in it because I feel like, you know, you get all these little stamps and these pieces. Maybe you trade in for a sandwich item. If you try to play this game, you know it's very unlikely you're going to win this game. There's very specific ways you're doing at it, doing doing that. But same concept. You're pulling off these little stamps from a cup trying to combine things. Why not have it so that you do that now with NFTs? Why don't you have it so you do that now with different, you know, maybe future adult toys, right? You have other action figure stuff coming out. They have NFTs. If you collect a few of them and then you get something you actually can have, you can actually keep it, right? So instead of getting these little stamps from Monopoly and then when they're all done, we throw them in the trash because if we didn't win anything with them, they're useless. Make them physical items. We'll pay more for it, right? You don't got to put it for free on the cup. And then we can then also trade those items and do things with them. They have the infrastructure and the supply chain to do that. I think that's a really amazing thing for McDonald's. So I'm hoping to see more about that McDonald's stuff down the road. Um, That's one of the most innovative things I think I see going on in business recently. Um, The other thing I want to talk about was the Black Panther trailer. Now, my friend told me the other day this trailer was out and I was extremely excited. On the podcast, I predicted that Shuri's going to be the next Black Panther. Now, I'm I'm aware that sitting here, based on that trailer, I could still be wrong. There has to be, you know, a a 5% chance that maybe... That somehow there's another female person inside that Black Panther suit. But they have finally showed the female version of the Black Panther suit is slender. It's shaped to a female's body. I'm 99.9% sure now at this point that it is Shuri. Which I think there was a bunch of reasons why it wouldn't be Shuri, right? So I know there was some controversy about a year or two ago now. Where I think she made some political comments. And there was some a little bit of backlash of it on Twitter and on some online places. And I haven't really heard anything from her since then. I don't know if there was ever plans to make her into Black Panther. I don't know when this happened. But I felt like no matter what, from a story standpoint, she's the most logical person to become Black Panther. I was behind the idea of them somehow forcing Michael B. Jordan to come back. I know in the What If cartoon, they showed the idea that you could have people from other universes and they could come back, like another version of Killmonger from another multiverse universe, and they can come into our universe and then take over. I thought that would make sense because everyone liked Killmonger and they liked Michael B. Jordan. So if you could find maybe in an alternate reality where Black Panther, you know, was Michael B. Jordan's character, Killmonger, but he didn't become Killmonger. He was just who he naturally was. And then he became Black Panther. I thought you could do that and people wouldn't forgive it because of the unfortunate real life situations that happened with Chadwick Boseman. And that's why we don't have him playing Black Panther. I thought people would would, would accept that 
jump of 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 logic because it's an unfortunate situation. You're trying to keep the movies moving forward, and you're going to bring Michael B. Jordan in. However, I said from the beginning, the Shuri from a, st- uh, a story standpoint should become the next Black Panther. I think they did something in the Black Panther movie where they destroyed all the flowers. They give you power. I think Killmonger burned them all. Of course, I would imagine Shuri at some point would have figured out how to synthesize those things or would have been growing it somewhere else. I feel like they would, they would have to have been another one. But Killmonger trying to destroy the chamber, as is him being a villain, I don't think he would have known if there's 100% a way to do that. It might have been something where they wanted to just do that to say, hey, there will be no more Black Panthers. It's just, you know, Chadwick's Boseman character, T'Challa, he's the only person, no one else can eat this plant. Because um, I guess if you have this easily, pretty pretty easily accessible plant where anyone can eat it and get his powers, that wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make him rare and special. So I don't know if they destroyed those plants because they thought we're never going to need these again. And unfortunately, Chadwick passed away. And now we're in this situation where they didn't want to just recast and they wanted to keep moving forward. I was never for the recast. I felt like it just it just wasn't going to work. I don't know how they're going to handle Tatala's death in the movies. I could see them not really wanting to get into it. Maybe they say he passed away in between movies. I know people would moan and groan about that and they won't like that. But we have to, I think, remember in that situation, and people will eventually get over it, is that a real human is no longer here anymore. So maybe they don't want to play with him. Maybe they don't want to CGI him. Maybe they don't want to do that. If the family wants him to, or if he left your wishes saying that he would like them to do that, or he gives them permission to do that, I think that's fine. We've had this situation with Paul Walker in the Fast and the Furious series. I think that's fine, right? His brothers are involved. It seems like that's something they're saying, it's okay to keep doing that. I don't know what Chadwick's situation was with Marvel. I kind of feel like as a fan from the outside that he probably would have been okay with it. I'm not sure. Um, so I'm open to see them go any which way. I think it's a thankless job Marvel's in. It's a tough situation. And any way you do it, you're going to have some people who don't like it, some people who do like it. I'm going in thinking, I'm going to accept whatever we have to do here because this is going to be... It's a difficult situation for everybody. And I think for fans, obviously for the real humans that are involved, we always got to remember these are real people making these movies. These are real humans. The movies are fun. The fiction is fun. But there's real people that are impacted by this, real relationships. And I always want to highlight that and remind people that because it's easy as fans with such a great story in the MCU to get swept up in all the fantasy. But it's important to know that you have to do something um, when you have real people, unfortunately, that pass away or that can no longer be in the films. So like, I'm cool with Rhodey being a new War Machine and then how that happened because or, you know, Don Cheeto becoming a new War Machine. Because in that situation, it just seemed like there was just some adults and they decided they didn't want to work together anymore. The business deal couldn't get done and they had to move forward. You know, whatever. People couldn't meet meet those situations. It obviously could have went different ways. So it's like, all right, you don't want to do this anymore. Or they're not paying you what you want to do. Then, you know, whatever. But with the Black Panther situation, that's obviously different. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Shuri. I'm excited by, by Ironheart. I'm a huge Iron Man fan. If you check out the stream, probably for the next few weeks, on, on my that live stream with Sammy Rye, which you can catch on my YouTube page, I'm in Fortnite, and I'm playing with the new Iron Man Zero Point skin. It's an exclusive skin. You could buy it, I think, through the item shop, but it was originally gifted to you if you read the Marvel, the Marvel X Fortnite uh, five comic series they did, where you see the Marvel characters helping the Fortnite characters 
deal with the zero point, which is basically an energy source in Fortnite that allows that whole reality to exist. They call it like the the first reality. It's like the place where all realities come from. That's kind of where the Battle Royal story has shaped up to be. So they made um, a crossover and they gave out some skins. I got the skin. I'll be using that Iron Man zero point skin on my next few streams. And on the streams, you're wondering, what do we do? I'm not just playing Fortnite. I'm going to show you guys some different things going on in Fortnite. We'll sometimes will show you the actual Battle Royal. But I'm not playing like, ooh, look at me, I'm so good. I want to show you guys stuff I think people do not see um, outside of Fortnite. If you're a casual person and you don't know it, I want you to be able to enjoy the stream and come see things that you don't see normally. So I'm going to show you some of the spectacle, the other interesting things that happen in Fortnite. People don't talk about so much. And I, I have a vast knowledge of all the Fortnite creative maps. There's a lot of maps. There's new maps coming out every week. There's endless amount of stuff I can show you on the stream that you've never seen before. And if you've seen your kids playing Fortnite or you heard people playing Fortnite, building stuff, on that live stream with Samurai, that's not what you're getting. You're getting the other 99% of Fortnite that I feel like no one talks about. There's so much amazing things in that game. So many cool, uh, I think, imagination-expanding kind of ideas. When you see these other kids and adults that are creating maps and experiences. So much fun stuff. We're going to be streaming that um, on Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Backup time, 9 p.m. So if I miss that 6 p.m. time for family emergencies, something critical... I will always try to get back on at 9. And if check, check out my Discord. If I completely cannot make it, which has never happened, I will go on Discord and tell you guys that something you know unforeseen has happened where I'm not streaming that week. But this Wednesday and every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we've been doing it for about a month now. It's going good. That live stream with Samurai. Come check it out. We're going to go show you some things in Fortnite, which is a great segue to go into what's going on in Fortnite. I feel like we're getting the most content-rich Fortnite season ever. After that last season, which was a vibing summer season, nothing really happened too much in that season. There were some things towards the end. I went to go do like the last like two weeks of the season. I actually ended up grinding out my battle pass, getting all the skins I could get. And I kind of did feel like, man, I should have paid this season a bit more time and attention. Um, but I was busy with real life stuff and, and everything else I had going on. I couldn't. But uh, it wasn't, I, I don't think I gave that season enough credit. It definitely was a more relaxed season. But it's okay because this new season, this, this chromed out season they're doing, I think it has a story. We're going into the third week. It has an interesting story, an interesting premise. It's, there's this chrome stuff spreading over the island, which gives you powers and also gives you um, a, a sense of destruction. There's this thing that's plaguing the entire island. It's taking over places you know. It's taking over characters. It's, and there's this character called the Herald who's a bad guy. Um, it seems like she's a bad guy. You don't really know what she's doing, but she has a fortress there. Um, I like it when Fortnite presents a good bad guy. I think they make good bad guys. I love Midas. I love the queen, the cube queen. And now we have the Herald, who at first I thought, I don't really know who she is. But when you go see her, you meet her in person, you fight her. She has all this chrome stuff going on. She's a plant. She's like a plant-themed character. Yet somehow she has this chrome, which makes me think, like, is the chrome not metal? I don't really know. Um, very intriguing. And she can make the animals chrome. She can make you chrome. Um, you can go through the buildings, like T-1000, because the walls are, like, liquid metal. You can jump through the walls and come out the other side. Um, and then you get these powers. You can turn into, like, a whole blob of goo and move around the map like like liquid. It's an amazing experience. Again, you don't know what Fortnite's like. If you think you know, you do not know. Check out that live stream with Sammy Ryan on Wednesdays. I'll show you all the stuff going on in Fortnite that people just don't talk about. 
Now, in the game, they've added the car from Rocket League. If you don't know what Rocket League is, let me say it this way. I'm not a person really into sports. I like sports to a degree. I'm not a sports fanatic. I've never been a guy going crazy for sports. For some reason, Rocket League, which is a video game where you race these remote control cars around and play kind of a futuristic version of soccer. That game brings out an animal in me. I've gotten so worked up, happy, sad, angry, the whole range of emotions. Playing games in Rocket League, I've actually kind of banned it in my house where I don't play it anymore, right? It's just for me. I don't play it because I don't like after a few games of Rocket League who I can become if those games aren't going right or even if they're going good. I, I'll trash talk. I, a whole beast comes out of me, right? But Epic Games purchased Rocket League, and now they have a season pass in that game too. It's a pretty good season pass. I didn't think that they could come up with so many creative ideas for just cars, um, but they have a lot of interesting cars and special effects and stuff you can unlock. I think I've tried to play one of the season passes. I didn't finish it. Again, because I get too worked up in it, right? I just It just takes too much time. I can't play Rocket League. But the game plays phenomenal. It's the only quote-unquote eSport that I can honestly feel like is a real eSport. It feels like there's physics and real-life mechanics that you have to use your real fingers for to make the game work. Um, and there's people who put a lot of time and effort in, and they the way they master controlling this ball and putting it in, I don't think is any different than watching someone play any sport. Pool, um, basketball, any kind of sport where you're manipulating the ball. The, the controls are so good in Rocket League. I definitely can see that this is a thing where skill becomes involved. I hate the word skill in video games. I think it's a it's a cheap word. I'm sorry if someone out there, they love it. But I feel like, you know, if you play Halo or you play, you know, a lot of these games, there's a muscle memory involved in that. But there's a, a very rigid system based on how the game is built. And once you learn that system, you can you can kind of can manipulate the game to a degree. And it's not so much I feel like skill at that point. is you're just really good at this one game. Rocket League is a situation where you're dealing with real physics. It's a real ball. You have a car. The car drives. It bumps into this ball. Every angle, just like pool, if you hit this ball, you have to know how you're hitting it, why you're hitting it that way. And there's so many nuanced mechanics in there. When you see someone controlling these balls with cars, it's it's amazing. They can actually walk on air. I've seen some people that know how to actually like jump and hop and walk on air and then also hit the ball. It's There's no way I could look at that and say, this is not a game of pure skill, where you can actually develop a skill if you play it for a while, and your knowledge has to matter. It's not just manipulating the game mechanics. I mean, you're in a split second making like mathematical decisions. How far can you jump? Can you? What angle do you hit the ball on? And the people who play at the top level... They are, they're nothing short of just simply amazing, uh, you know, game players, basically. So I can't say that enough about Rocket League, but what, why am I excited about that? Well, they took the car from Rocket League and the ball and put it in Fortnite Creative, which means now people in Fortnite Creative will be able to drive the car. I drove the car. It drives exactly the same. I believe Rocket League is made with the Unreal Engine. I could be wrong. But then it makes sense, it stands to reason that it was actually not that difficult for them to incorporate that into their game. I have seen the ball, and as of the first three days of release, which is when I'm making this podcast, the ball is glitchy. The ball does not work the way it's supposed to work. Um, There's also an issue when you're making maps with the car that you cannot program which buttons do what. Now, if you're playing in it, the buttons work fine. So I don't know what that's about. They did have that issue with the UFO a few years ago. They'll fix it. They'll grind it out, um, and they'll get it all working. 
But already, I seen, I think, an example map that they paid someone to make or they partnered with someone to make where there's this huge arena and you only can make it Fortnite Creative. And you can play around with that car. It's endless fun. It's instant endless fun for free. You install Fortnite for free. You can play with this car and this map for free. Everyone should have Fortnite on their systems. I don't understand how people don't have it. You're not going to play that and not have fun. It's like saying, hey, here's a free remote control car. You want to play? You might think, it's raining outside. It's dark. It's cold. I don't want to go outside and play. You don't have to. It's already in Fortnite. You can play with this remote control car, and it's it's a billion-dollar car. Like the, the fact that they bought Rocket League to get their hands on that car and bring that car into their game is them showing you they understood that when you're talking about in the future, they already have cars in Fortnite. They're okay. But now having the Rocket League car and all the fun things you can do with that car, it flies, it flips, it has turbo boost, it has rockets. It's not a regular car. It's actually better than regular cars. All things you can do in that car, kids and adults and everyone who makes maps in Fortnite Creative are going to make all kinds of games that are based around that car you never pictured. And then you can get out the car and still do everything you do in Fortnite. So you still have the good shooting, the dodging, the rolling around. And there are big talks that they're going to fully go for a first-person mode in Fortnite. It's only a matter of time, I think, at this point. Fortnite is the game. It's the Ready Player One experience once they add VR to it. It's not going to be something where you need to leave your family and go live in VR forever. I'm not, I don't want that to happen for anybody. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the... I've been talking about this, I think, almost for over a year now in the podcast. Unreal 5 and any other Unreal Engine that comes out in the future, Fortnite, they are teaching your kids how to make video games, not so that they can, you know, go out and make their own game. Is the same way Google Maps became popular. By your cell phone helping Google map the world, helping Google know when the streets are changing, they were able to outmaneuver companies like TomTom, companies that, that had to do this stuff manually, Google is the one company that's shown how they can take, take your kids, you and your family, and make you guys do some of the work for them, for them to create an app that seems free, and then Google then gets paid by other companies like McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts to make sure that when you're on their Google map, their, their business pops up, um, you can see the restaurant reviews and everything like that. That's where Google's making all their money from, but they got you to do the work that other smaller companies like TomTom can never have gotten you to do. They couldn't have paid you to do that work. They got you to do it for free. Fortnite is going to get your kids to build the metaverse. You think, how can one company make a whole virtual world? They can't, but you can. They could get a billion kids. They can get, I guess, realistically, maybe like, I think they have like 300,000 concurrent players sometimes. So I, let's say there's a million Fortnite players out there. It's probably a lot higher than that. But if they can get those people to start making maps, what they've been doing for years, they're going to build you an endless, infinite metaverse with every kind of experience you could think about. Fortnite's going to put it all together, and you're going to come in there for free and play all this stuff, which, again, takes away that barrier of entry. There's no other company that can compete with that. It's not financially viable for any company to do that. But Fortnite's doing that. They have Block 2.0, which is their most recent update. They added Melee Combat, a bunch of different things to that. So you already see now they're showing that they want to do third-person Melee Combat, right? So if you like games like For Honor or any games of Sword and Shields and Magic, they're putting those things in there. There's a quest-building system they have in there. Battle Royale was the beginning, but the Fortnite endgame is around the corner. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, I'm going to talk about Bullet Train, some other good movies and TV shows I've seen in the last few weeks, Smile, 
Um, what else have you seen? Serpent Queen, House of Dragons, She-Hawk. We'll touch on all those things for the second half of that podcast. Thanks for hanging out. We'll be right back. And we are back with part two of that podcast with Sammy Rye. Bullet Train. Amazing, amazing movie. I had so much fun with the movie. Is it the greatest movie ever made? I don't know. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm not going to say it is. I'm going to say that the best reaction I had when my wife was watching this movie with me, and at one point she laughed and she said, this movie is pure spectacle. And I was like, that's my word. I love the word spectacle. I'm all about spectacle. Thank you. That is the best way to describe the movie Bullet Train. That's a review from my wife. It is pure spectacle. There's, if you go into that movie, I don't want to hear anyone at any point saying, huh, I don't know if this plot aspect works out. I don't know if this is real. Shut up. This movie is for fun. It is a playground for your mind, for adults. You go in there, you enjoy this film. It is nonstop fun. It is shot extremely well. It looks beautiful. So many artistic things they do with the camera. It looks great. Good CGI when needed. Not a lot of CGI, but good CGI when needed. Good action. Sequences, you can tell all these actors have done that thing that now they should do in all movies where these guys put in the work. They, they can fight to some degree to pull off these scenes. A great ensemble cast. So many cameos. So many fun people showing up. People that you like. Good actors. And then amazing performances. I don't know all the actors' names um, by heart, but I know like um, there's two characters called Lemon and Tangerine. And I won't even ruin it. But those two guys, they kill it. I know one guy is from the MCU. He's in The Internals. Uh, he also was in Get Out. I don't know his name by heart. I know the other guy's name is from Kick-Ass. He's also MCU's version of Quicksilver. And I think his name is like Aaron Paul Taylor. Aaron Taylor Thompson. I'm going to ruin it. I hate doing that. And I know you're saying Samurai. Um, I don't know. Like, go get some information. But you know what I'll say to you? Hey, Google it. Google Bullet Train. Look at the cast. That's what I did. Learn their names. I can't memorize all these guys' names. It doesn't matter. They're famous. Go watch them. You know who they are. And the, the cast is amazing. I had a great time watching Bullet Train. The story was different. I think it does have a good story. I think the story is very well thought out, as thought out as it you would need it to be for that situation. But for an action movie, I think it, it says a lot. I think there's a lot that it says there. You can go in, turn your brains off, and not care. However, if you want to stop listening to the story, I think there is a story there. I think there's a lot you could take from it. A lot of themes, um, philosophy that's talked about in the film for the characters. And you might think, ah, that's just fluff. That's not needed. It's not important. Perhaps, but it's there. If you want to criticize the film and say it's not, it doesn't have it, it has it. And I think this is one of the only movies outside the MCU. Uh, there's a few companies that do it, but this is one of the ones that do it. Where they say, we know, we heard you guys. You want action, we can give you action. But you want to beef your story. You want some meaning, you want some metaphors. We can do that too. And they're rising to the challenge and they're doing everything. They're not being lazy, they're doing it all. Another, I have to give a shout out. I think the king of 2022, uh, maybe maybe they might even grab a few more years in that, in that realm. Top Gun Maverick, Tom Cruise. I got to give him props. I got to say that the king is back in that situation. He obviously has an amazing career. He's made a lot of classic movies. But to be able to do what he did in Top Gun Maverick is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I, I put that up there against Avengers Endgame, events against Infinity War. And I'm an MCU fan. I'm a big supporter of MCU. I don't call myself a fanboy because as soon as MCU starts doing something they're not supposed to do, I'm going to call them on it. But Top Gun Maverick, Tom Cruise, and those people making that film proved 
You can make one film, and it can be as good as Endgame, but you got to have passion. You got to put in that work. You got to really do it. And I feel like they put all of Hollywood on notice saying, hey, you guys simply just aren't doing a good enough job to rival these other companies. So many directors and writers out there are complaining about Marvel movies monopolizing everything, and Tom Cruise comes out and makes a billion dollars on himself and some jets. And and he showed that he had that movie had action, had great cinematography, great acting, great story, meaning. Top Gun Maverick is one of the best movies I've seen in in my whole life. Let's go ahead and just put it out there, right? Because I remember when I saw Avengers Endgame, Infinity War 2, but Endgame is obviously the grand finale. I wept. I wept like a grown man in Endgame because I thought there was so much story earned. There was so much things that mattered and so much that was in Endgame that it it moved me on a deep emotional level. Something that only rare films have ever been able to do, like The Passion of the Christ. That that movie moved me. Uh, The Crucible. That movie moved me. There are very rare films I could think of in my life. I'm like, man, that, that film shook me to my core. Avenger Endgame was like that, but also Top Gun Maverick. And I have to feel like I gotta give Top Gun Maverick a little bit of extra praise because they did it in one film. Avengers Endgame got 10 years to build that. Tom Cruise then came out with one story. There's technically a movie before then. I don't feel like Top Gun Maverick relies on the original Top Gun um, in any real substantial way. Like, you can watch the movie and you can see what they're talking about in Top Gun Maverick. But everything is told within Top Gun Maverick. You don't need to go and watch the first one. So there's a plot that involves something that happens to a character in the first movie. And then now there's something in the second movie. So some of them might say, oh, you got to see it. No, you don't. Anyone I showed it to who's younger, who has not seen the original, they still got the whole message. They still understood. And the box office receipts do not lie. That movie made over a billion dollars and broke records. That's insane. So I got to give them all the credit. Bring it back down, though, to Bullet Train. Bullet Train is a very fun movie. Am I saying this is as good as Avengers Endgame, Top Gun Maverick? I'm not saying that. I don't want to go in that far. What I'm saying is that it's definitely as good as Deadpool 2, and it's made by the guys that did Deadpool 2. Some cameos and some fun people from that movie are, are in this movie. It has all the stuff that you would want from an MCU film, but they don't have those characters. And that's a big round of applause for me because that movie shows that you can make a movie like Deadpool without Deadpool. I'm not saying it's going to be as good as Deadpool necessarily or better. I'm saying that these filmmakers who are complaining that they don't have the MCU characters to rely on are are not being honest because you got Tom Cruise and now you have, I believe his name is David Lynch. I believe he's the director of, of, of Deadpool 2. But I call that the John Wick team. There's another director, that is name escaped me on top of my head, that's involved with the John Wick films, the Deadpool films. They all work together like a team. I feel like that team is also proving we can make John Wick work without MCU licensing. Um, we can make Bullet Train work, obviously, without MCU licensing. They also make Deadpool work. So kudos, right? They can do both. And that goes to show you that it's up to the artist. The artist can still do it. You can still be successful. Marvel's showing you the formula. You, you, you see it. It's out there. All the things that are there. Even Tom Cruise now is showing you in Maverick. You can still do this. You don't need these other brands. But you have to put your whole effort into this. And I hate it. I hate it every time I go watch a movie. I see that there's a, maybe a good actor, good story, and that's it. They don't know how to use a camera. The camera's just very generically, very boringly, 
presenting this story that's pretty decent with an actor and say, okay, everybody needs to go home. I don't think that's I don't think that's enough in 2022. I feel like that's something a kid on YouTube can do with their iPhone and a decent local actor. Like if you're gonna do that, you need to step it up. And there's not enough actors out there, I think, pushing the studios or teaming up with directors and pushing themselves to say what can they do next. I feel like when I to use a basketball analogy, when you hear about games like uh, people like LeBron James, or you hear about like a football, like a Tom Brady kind of person, if that's more your your speed. Like, these guys are, their whole careers show they're trying to push themselves as far as they can push themselves. For better or worse, maybe you don't always like their decisions, but they're trying to push the envelope. And there's too many people collecting a paycheck, making movies, and then complaining, complaining that we didn't go give them our money and watch your movies. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, amazing movie. That's a, another, another example of, it's, it is a franchise or an a, a intellectual property, technically, but Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is a thousand times better than it should be. That game, I played Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in third grade when it came out, or maybe fourth grade. That's a simple game with almost no story. Sonic 1 was very, very good. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, I will also throw that up there with Avengers Endgame and Top Gun Maverick, but for families and kids. Because um, that is an amazing good movie. So many good story beats. There's stories in there for adults. Spectacle. It's They're trying... They're hardest to make that film work, and that's what I'm talking about. That's what we should be seeing from these companies. They're asking us to give them our time and money. Otherwise, we can go to independent people. We can go to uh, smaller studios. I will accept that a YouTube video might have a guy in his room wearing a wig, and he's like doing 10 characters. I can accept that because I understand that creator doesn't have resources, and they're trying to show us something. Typically, it's for free. It's three or four minutes, maybe 10 minutes of a, of a little video they're doing. And if we watch them, they make ad revenue. And then even those YouTube channels after a while typically grow and they add better cameras and stuff. I understand that. When you're a giant, famous movie company that's been around for 50 years and you make some movie about some guy walking around like a local park, it's inexcusable to me. I don't care anymore. I don't care about that story. We have hundreds of movies already that, that captured that kind of quality. All we're asking for is that you try to be creative and push the envelope in some way. Do something unique. Doing something noteworthy. Give me some spectacle. Bullet Train is full of spectacle. You guys got to check out Bullet Train. I didn't talk a lot about Dahmer on the podcast because I watched it in two days. And I feel like it came out a year ago now because I watched it so fast and it moved on from it. But Dahmer is done. I do see a lot of more copycat stuff. My friend talked about this on his show. And I didn't see it at first. I've seen a lot more copycat Dahmer stuff. Everyone who owns anything Dahmer is now putting it on their streaming service. And I, that does leave a bad taste in my mouth, too. I was on, I think it was on, um, I think, I don't want to say the wrong streaming service, but I was on some streaming service the other day. And they had, like, all these, like, old Dahmer documentaries, interviews with Dahmer. I don't care. I feel like that distracts from Ryan Murphy and Evan Peters and their show Dahmer, which I think was a very good show. I thought artistically they showed some different things in that show. Um, but now I see everyone else at the woodworks, you know, cash grabbing, trying to sink in. I'm not for that. So I'm not watching those other shows. I'm not even going to let my curiosity peak and me go click on those shows. I'm not going to be desperate for those shows. I'm going to instead go watch other Ryan Murphy shows, like The Politician on Netflix. It has two seasons. It's an amazing show. I cry like a baby watching the end of Politician. You might be thinking, hey, Sammy, you cry a lot. No, I can name off the top of my head, right? I know the, the stuff that moves me. The Politician season one was a masterpiece. I've never heard a story like that. I have never heard a story like Politician Season 1. 
it was told from so many different perspectives, so many complex characters, for something as simple as people running for class president. You would think that's the most generic, simple story, but the stakes, the stakes in the politician, they ratcheted up and they, the things about life, human existence, what does it all mean? Childhood, raising kids, our future, legacy. Who would think you could get all this stuff and tell it in the framing of a, of a class presidency um, you know, campaign for a high school? You can't do that. Nope, Ryan Murphy can do it. Politician on Netflix. Season one, go watch it. Season two is good. It is good. And I think it lives up to season one. However, season one has that magical thing where you've never seen anything like it before. So when you're watching it, it can do it can be so good. And then part two is like a continuation of that, which is great. But season one, oh boy. Those again, t- for me, it, it really worked. And I have to say, when it comes to theme songs and, and openings, their opening is amazing. That's the opening I never skip. Um, so the Sufan Stevens song, I believe his song might be called Illinois, is in the theme song. But you have to watch it. With the visuals they found to go with the song, it fits with the story and the theme of the show. Oh my God. One of the best intros for a TV show I've ever seen. Ryan Murphy. Give it up for Ryan Murphy, right? Let's <laughs> do a round of applause for Ryan Murphy. I can't say a good, enough good things about the stuff he makes. He's made so much of it. He's the guy behind American Horror Story. I know he's done other stuff like Pose. Um, there's other shows on Netflix. He's done, he's done so much. He's so prolific. I can't even think of all the names, but if you don't know who Ryan Murphy is, Google him. Look at his, his the, the stuff that he's created. It's a treasure trove of stuff. I feel, I feel like it's on par at this point with the MCU, whereas where this one creator has made so much body of work. And I feel like a short period of time. He's producing or writing or directing. or he's, His hands are in so many different pots. And I think he really understands what he's doing. I know there's been some legendary producers on TV, which we don't talk a lot about anymore. Back when like NBC had great runs and CBS and all those departments, there were definitely some legendary producers. Ryan Murphy for the streaming wars and, and everything going on nowadays, I feel like he's going to get one of those titles. Uh, Kevin Feige obviously gets that for the MCU and movies. I feel like now, you know, he's, he's doing that when um, it comes to the TV shows and things they're doing. And my friend Ant pointed out a really good thing that, you know, people have been criticizing Marvel Phase 4. And if you look at what they've been saying about Marvel Phase 4, you see that Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, um, is coming out November 11th. That is a part of Phase 4. And boy, oh boy, if you are waiting for those Marvel movies where the stakes were high and your heart was ripping out your chest because of the stuff going on in these characters, Wakanda Forever is that. And that's the... That's the, the basically like the accumulation or the, the culmination of everything that happened in Phase 4. I'm watching She-Hulk, and I will admit to people, as much as I like She-Hulk, it's the only Marvel show I've watched multiple times in a week. Like, I watch an episode of She-Hulk, I might watch it two or three times before the week's over because it's so fun and they're short. Um, but I will admit that She-Hulk doesn't feel like you have to watch it. It feels more like it's a fun comedy show, right? It's something that you don't you can... You can come back and skip it. You can binge it later, right? That's fine. But um, I also, for Miss Marvel, didn't watch all the episodes for that. You always can go back and watch it later. I think for the TV shows, they were, number one, trying to see, you know, can they consistently make TV shows? Can they make deadlines? Can they have CGI? And I know Marvel has learned a lot. They talked about things they learned through the process. I see one system they came up with is where they have multiple CGI companies working on a show. 
And that's given mixed results because there are some episodes of She-Hulk where you can noticeably tell someone different is working on this episode than the other episode where she might have looked perfect. Uh, this other episode, she doesn't look that doesn't look that perfect, basically. Um, and I, I think in the future, them and those companies and the way technology works and the way these people who are trying to improve work, they'll figure out an even better system. We already, we already forget Mandalorian did something impossible when they were using the Unreal Engine and they were using that whole studio that they kind of created to shoot that show, uh, make it like a movie, but it's a, it's a smaller show happening on one set. They did that. They did it now in season two. Mandalorian season three is on the way. But those companies are improving. They're getting better, better beyond that. So Marvel, they are just trying to figure out TV. I think they're getting to the point now where they have a good idea how that should work. And going forward, you're going to see that pay off more. I do think we still need an amazing TV show event, something that's like a must-see TV. I think House of Dragons is must-see TV. Every week on Sunday, the world knows you need to stop to watch this. And HBO has been able to do this for a long time with a lot of shows. Not every show, but they're able to figure out how to create a show that has that must-see TV thing where you have to stop what you're doing and you can plan your whole day around the fact that at 9 o'clock you need to sit down and watch House of Dragons. Not everyone watches it. My point is, it's the kind of show that demands that because you do not want to have anything spoiled on Monday because something's always happening on that show. Marvel, I don't think, has that yet. But I think they're just trying to figure out TV. So once they figure that out, I definitely think they could do that. I'm hoping maybe a Secret Invasion because Secret Invasion should have the plot idea that certain characters are not who they seem to be. So you would hate to find out on Monday that on Sunday, a character you knew and loved actually was an uh, imposter. So maybe that might be the first show that does that. But I don't know if that's what they're actually going to do on that show yet. It's too early to tell. However, Secret Invasion seems like it could be one of those shows. If not, then in the near future, hopefully they'll get to that. Maybe they'll get Kang to show up on a show. Um, Kang is the main villain of the next big you know, part of the Marvel Universe. We'll have to see if, if that's what happens with them. But I think that they're doing a lot of good things there. Black Panther Forever looks amazing. And I like Ant-Man 1. I like Ant-Man 2. Maybe about the same. But I'm excited for Ant-Man 3. I think Ant-Man 3 is going to have... The first Ant-Man, I feel like, that has serious, serious stakes involved. And it sounds like it's the first time we're going to really see Kang the Conqueror in a movie. And I think he's going to ask Ant-Man to do some things. He's going to test Ant-Man. It sounds like the rumors are it might be a heist movie where he has to go either kidnap or rescue, based on your perspective. Um, a love interest for Kang the Conqueror who might be held in a different universe by another version of Kang the Conqueror. And this is interesting because I think the other version is technically kind of a good guy. And the one that's hiring Ant-Man or forcing him to do the job is kind of a bad guy. So you're going to see Ant-Man in his own situation. I think he won't have the Avengers around him. And I think it's going to get a great opportunity to see Paul Rudd really stretch himself in that character. I hope that's what's going to happen. I can't be 100% sure. These are just leaks and rumors from people who have supposedly seen these trailers at Comic-Cons and other kinds of conventions, so we don't know. But based on that, it sounds like that's where it's going. I'm super excited for those things. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much the main things I think going on this week. House of Dragons, not much to really say about it, I think, this week. It was a very good episode, and I don't want to spoil it. But I think next week's episode of House of Dragons is going to be the one of the biggest ones. I don't know if every single one after this will be that big. I think there's only three more left. But I think all season the show's been pretty interesting. But it's all going to come to a head. I think next episode. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's not watching it. It's hard to talk about that show if you've never seen it. Go watch it. 
Um, I don't want to talk about the show and ruin anything because there's so many people online doing that. I just want to say that I do love House of Dragons and that's doing good. I'm also liking a show on stars called The Serpent Queen. I hope you guys are checking that out. It is not on the level of the saying, you know, She-Hulk or House of Dragons per se. I think it's one of the best shows on stars. It's a very well-made show. The main actress on it who plays The Serpent Queen, she's amazing. And I think the story is very fresh. The way they tell this story is very fresh. I keep mentioning that. I hope you guys are checking that out. Um, that's pretty much everything I got going on this week in the um, business, art, pop culture, all the things I think about what the Samurai Podcast is all about. I hope you guys are having an excellent week. I think next week we're going to have, you know, the new episode of the House of Dragons. I think we're going to start talking about that a bit more. And when that show comes to the end, the spoiler embargo will be lifted. And we're going to have to do some deep dives and go back to that show. Probably have Anthony on the show. and my friend I'll talk about all the time. He has a podcast he's working on too. I hope he has it up so we can start sharing that soon and telling everybody about it. Check out the Discord. Go to SammyRide.com to get into the Discord. And yeah, you can see all the things that we have, everything going on in there. We got the Babble Sisters. You got their podcast. Um, we have, you know, Nuance the Artist on there sharing his music. We have a bunch of people going out there. I want to give shout-outs to everybody who's up my head, but I don't want to mess up anybody's plugs. Billy Hooks. Billy Hooks is out there. He's a friend of the show. Um, hopefully, he'll be posting more in the podcast or in the Discord soon. And you, you can be the next person. You can be the next person coming in, hanging out, giving us content, giving us that whole community we're trying to create with the Samurai Podcast and the Samurai Syndicate overall. I love you guys. Thank you so much for another great week. This podcast means just as much to me as it means to you guys. I really enjoy doing this. And I enjoy seeing that you guys are interacting with it. Come check the Discord out for the exclusive podcast topic. A conversation we'll be having about something just in that Discord. I hope you guys had a great week. I'm Samurai. Peace.